Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about sustainable and ESG investing from leaders in the field. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. Schwab Asset Management manages over $640 billion in assets for institutional and individual investors. And in November of 2021, the Schwab Ariel ESG ETF began trading on the New York Stock Exchange under the symbol SAEF. This is good news for Schwab investors and clients who want to integrate ESG strategies into their portfolios, especially when they learn that the fund is sub-advised by Ariel Investments, a pioneer in ESG and value-based investing since its founding in 1983. On today's program, I'm speaking with Malik Sievers, head of ESG strategy at Schwab Asset Management, about why Schwab chose 2021 to make its first foray into proprietary ESG funds and why Ariel Investments was chosen as sub-advisor for this ETF product launch. Hello, Malik, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Good morning, Paul. Thank you for having me. I'm very glad you could join us today. Malik, the Schwab Ariel ESG ETF is the first in Schwab's 10-year history uh, of working with ETFs that is integrated for ESG approach. So why was 2021 the year that Schwab chose to launch this first proprietary ESG ETF? Well, Paul, at Schwab Asset Management, product development really starts with the client. So we've really spent a lot of time talking to advisors, talking to individual investors. And in the last several years, overwhelmingly, they've asked for more options to align their beliefs and values with their investment dollars. So in terms of being the right time for clients, we thought that was the first important piece of it. And certainly clients have told us that they believe this is the right time. The second thing that I would point out is working with Ariel as a partner. We've been working with them for over 20 years now, and we truly believe that they were the right partner here. When you think about the fact that they've been incorporating ESG into their investment process before it was actually even called ESG. Right. Uh, again, a, a history almost 40 years. Uh, they represented, we thought, an ideal partner in that they bring a lot of that ESG experience. And then, as you mentioned, we have quite a strong experience as well in managing uh, exchange traded funds over 10 years now. So our skills were certainly very complementary and our values were aligned. But then I think the third piece of the puzzle was that we really thought this was the right product. If you take a look at the landscape today, especially in the equities ESG space, what you'll see is that most of the offers tend to fall within large cap growth on the equity side. This particular offer that we brought to the market is focused on small cap, small to mid cap value. So we really saw this as a way to fill a product gap 
with an awesome partner. So those are just some of the main reasons that we looked at to say, right for the client, right time for the client, right partner, and obviously the right product. And that's why we're so excited about the Schwab Aerial ESG ETF. That's great. Uh, thanks for that introduction, Malik. And, you know, uh, one of the things that I know you know very well, uh, I've been encountering it for over 20 years, as a, an first as an advisor and then as a consultant in the ESG markets, is that there are a number of um, misconceptions um, about ESG investing that are still very much clinging to the advisor community as well as the investor community. Um, what do you find that those get raised in your conversations with advisors and investors and, and what are they concerned about? I do, Paul. I mean, in my 10 plus years of working at Schwab Asset Management, I've had the, the privilege and the opportunity to talk with many advisors, many individual investors, and when it comes to ESG, I'd say there are a few common themes that tend to re re uh, reoccur. Uh, so the first one is just this idea that if you're going to invest in ESG, it necessarily means you're going to have to sacrifice performance. Well, in reality, this is just a myth. If you look at historically the performance of ESG funds versus non-ESG funds, what you'll find is the performance has very much been in line with the performance of non-ESG funds. If you look at the uh, ESG funds and where they fall in their uh, respective uh, Morningstar categories, again, their performance is right in line with the categories. So I think that's the first, and I'd say the largest uh, theme or myth that we hear when we talk to both advisors and individual investors. The second thing that you'll hear often is that ESG investing will either lower or increase your risk overall. And I think the, the folks who argue that it will lower risk are often pointing to removing certain undesirable industries as a way to reduce risk. But then on the other hand, you can hear just as often investors will say or advisors will say that by removing some of these industries, you're actually decreasing diversification, which can increase your risk. Well, we've looked at risk. And one of the ways you can do that is just take a look at the standard deviations of returns. And here, what you find historically is that much like performance, when it comes to risk, the standard deviation of ESG funds compared to non-ESG funds are really not materially different. So again, we think the risk is very much in line for ESG funds as they are uh, for non-ESG funds. And then the third thing that comes up all the time is you'll often hear clients say, well, if something has a, a great ESG rating, it must mean that it's a great uh, firm from an ESG perspective. But I think the caution here is that when you look at the actual ESG rating firms, what you'll find is that ratings can vary pretty wildly between the different rating companies. So I think our approach is rather than to have clients or advisors focus 
too much on the rating, you really have to take a look at what the client objectives are and then try to find suitable ESG alternatives that really fit that objective and worry less about the ratings. It can be a factor, but certainly it's not the only factor. The fact that a lot of the rating agencies have differences of opinion, you know, you could take a step back and say, if the experts can't agree, certainly it's a tall order to ask individual clients or advisors to, to agree. So I think the bottom line is that ESG means different things to different people. And so you've got to work with individuals and with advisors to make sure you build something that is consistent with their objectives. So Malik, you've, you've alluded to a couple of patterns that have developed in the way ESG analytics is done over the last couple of decades in, in your comments just there. And um, the ideas of exclusionary or inclusionary strategies related to ESG data uh, is part of the way the industry has been developing. Uh, that, ki that, that kind of um, complexity that comes with not only that, but as you said, different types of rating agencies and different agencies having different approaches, that really raises a question about, well, how educated are the financial advisors who are offering these types of portfolio strategies to their clients? What does Schwab Asset Management do to support the education of financial advisors and help them be more clear and specific in what information they need from their clients to make the right recommendations? So we take the perspective that we really need to provide educational materials to at least inform advisors and investors on our point of view. As I mentioned earlier, there will be differences in terms of what one particular investor might be seeking versus another. So we think it's very important to take a very uh, individual approach to how you focus on the advisor business as well as the individual clients. The way I like to think about it, Paul, is to say, when, you, when it comes to ESG investing, it's really a dial, not a switch, right? So when you think about how to incorporate it, you first want to start with the individual client or the advisor portfolio, take a look at what the current exposures are to ESG factors in the current portfolio, and then have conversations with the clients about what they're seeking to add. You know, for some investors, they might want to take more of an exploratory approach where they say, I just want to get ESG exposure in a couple of different areas. Maybe for that client, you just add a couple of uh, ESG funds. Other clients or advisors might say, I want to take more of a middle of the road approach where I look at all of the ESG categories and I choose categories in which there are strong ESG offers. And then in other categories where maybe they're not great offers, like maybe real estate or international small cap, maybe those areas where you just stick to non-ESG funds. And then still others will say, you know what, I'm all in. <laughs> I want to take a, a more bottoms up security by security approach. I think in those scenarios, you can build something pretty customized 
Um, but of course, it also might require more assets. So I think the bottom line is that, again, ESG will mean different things to different people. And it's so important to start with that client perspective, as we say, think through the eyes of the client and really make sure you're focused on delivering for um, whatever their ESG preferences are. Great. Well, that's good, Sad, and and perhaps that's some that's an area that we could provide some uh, literature on as an attachment to this uh, this program, where people can read and learn more about that um, on in their own time. Um, right now, I want to read a quote from John Rogers. He's the founder, chairman, co-CEO, and chief investment officer of Ariel Investments. And John, when this ETF was launched, was quoted as saying, we are delighted to expand our longstanding relationship with Schwab and bring our value-based, high-conviction ESG approach to the market in this new ETF. So give our podcast listeners some details. You mentioned this is a longstanding relationship that the two firms have had. Some details on the relationship between Schwab Asset Management and Ariel Investments, Malik. So as I did mention, Paul, the relationship between Schwab and Ariel does span uh, more than 20 years. We actually first collaborated with Aerial Investments back in 1998 uh, in producing the uh, Black Investor Survey. This is a survey that looks at middle class, white, and Black Americans and looks at the preferences and attitudes they have towards savings and, uh, and, and investing. So in the latest study, there were absolutely some uh, interesting results. So for example, the survey re revealed that 42% of Black Americans were interested in aligning their beliefs and their values with their investment dollars, which was higher than their white counterparts. Similarly, when you look at interest in environmental, social, and governance issues, again, we found that around 51% or so of Black Americans felt that was important and they were interested in it which was a higher percentage than their white counterparts. But it didn't stop there. When you then asked how many of the Black Americans in that survey had even heard of SRI, socially responsible investing, more than half of them, 54% of them, said they'd never even heard of SRI. Or if you asked them, have you ever heard of ESG? 57% of them said they'd never heard of ESG, which was much higher than their white counterpart. So you have this interesting dynamic happening. You have Black Americans saying they're interested in it and they want to you know, participate in this type of investing, but then they haven't really heard of SRI or ESG. So I think what it points to is the fact that you could have here a scenario where industry jargon is creating a stumbling block, at least as it relates to the Black community. Hmm. That raises a really interesting question in my mind, uh, Malik, and it, that, that is how important 
has the concept of community-based financial literacy been in the development of this relationship that you have with Ariel Investments, uh, with your firm, uh, Schwab Asset Management? I think it's very important. I mean, when you think about financial literacy, that represents a way to level the playing field over time. I mean, if I think about personally, how this impacted me. The first job that I took right out of college, I was earning more than my mom who'd been working for over 30 years. Mm. I mean, back then, I didn't know or have a, a real sense of what the wealth gap was. I was just focused on trying to increase the quality of life of my family. Now, step forward to today, I've got two beautiful daughters uh, who I get to talk every day about some of these concepts. And even in the Black Investor Survey, overwhelmingly, more families are talking about financial literacy and starting to inform their children about it, which, again, gives me hope that we can break that cycle. And then in this role, I have an opportunity to work with advisors, to work with individuals, to really help shape that conversation. And we've really seen interest across the board from younger investors, high net worth, advisors, and so forth. And that really gives me a lot of excitement. It, it really, Paul, makes me think about when I supported our multi-asset products as a strategist, one of the things we would always say is that time in the markets is more important than timing the markets. So if you think about this dynamic and the fact that younger investors are getting engaged sooner, that's really exciting to me. You know, especially as you think about some of these social issues and the racial inequities, younger investors are, are getting engaged and they're getting invested at a much earlier time. So if ESG can continue to be that catalyst to get these younger investors engaged earlier and to stay invested over time because they're so passionate about the issues, then that's a really great outcome and, and an outcome that I'm very, very excited about. I couldn't agree with you more, Malik. I think we need more of the, more and more of this type of education across the board. Uh, and so I'm very excited to learn about your programs at Schwab and, and, and your intentional focus on doing this with partners like Ariel Investments. So now that um, you're in this role uh, as the ESG head of strategy with Schwab Asset Management, can you tell our listeners what you know, Schwab Asset Management's plans are for ESG strategy development in this year, for sure, and then even beyond this year, if you have anything you can share with us, that would be great. Sure. Well, hopefully you could tell from my energy, I'm very excited about all the work that we're doing to help clients. I'm very excited for 2022. Uh, again, getting back to something I said earlier, I think it's important that part of the strategy will be to provide uh, education, materials, insights uh, that will help clients better understand the space. We're also planning to bring some screening tools. I'm working right now with several companies to provide uh, ESG ratings that will help clients and advisors better understand factors as it relates to 
uh, ESG. So I think that's going to be really important. We know there are clients across the spectrum that go from low touch to high touch. So having conversations is obviously going to be an important part of the mix as well. And then when you think about providing more uh, investment choice, that's obviously another piece that I'm excited to work on. In 2021, we were able to launch that exciting Schwab Aerial ESG ETF. Uh, we also launched a couple of uh, positive impact uh, strategies through Wasma Schroeder, fixed income strategies. You know, we have plans to expand that product set even further in the coming years. So I think all of the things we're doing is why I'm so excited to be in this role and to have an opportunity to add my voice to the conversation. So it's, uh, it's all a very exciting time. That's great, Malik. Well, listen, we will certainly come back to you down the road and, and catch up to, to what's happening later on this year, I would expect. Um, how can Sustainable Finance Podcast listeners learn more about Schwab Asset Management's diverse ESG investment choices? And how can people get in touch with you about questions that they have about the topics that we've discussed in today's program? So I think for advisors, they certainly can get in touch with their reps if they're looking for more information. Also, if advisors or individual investors go to schwabassetmanagement.com, there's a wealth of information that's available on that site. If you're looking to get in touch with me, you can find me on LinkedIn. So that's a, another avenue. But again, I'm just so very excited to be part of the conversation and look forward to having more conversations with advisors and investors alike. So thank you so much for the opportunity today, Paul. Well, thanks again very much, Malik Sievers, head of ESG strategy at Schwab Asset Management. And to our listeners, please join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, your host for the Sustainable Finance Podcast.